Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of that parable that was just shared with us on the video. Um, The reality that uh, you look for the lost. Uh, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came came into the world to save sinners. Um, That was his mission. That was your mission, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for that. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would guide us now as we um, study your word, as we look into your word. Uh, Let it shape us and mold us. Help us to understand it. Uh, Help us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would apply it to our lives, and may we uh, live it out more and more. Um, And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been denied entrance somewhere? been denied entrance entrance because somehow you failed to measure up in a key way, like perhaps you didn't have the required ticket. Maybe you went to a concert and realized you forgot your ticket and you couldn't get in. Or you went to a ball game and you realized your ticket is on your dresser at home. And for some reason, the ticket the ticket people won't believe you that your ticket, you actually have a ticket and it's on your dresser. Or maybe you didn't measure up because you didn't have the right experience. Or maybe you didn't measure up because you were overqualified. <laughs> you had too much experience. Um, uh, ever go to a gas station and uh, see the sign on the door, no shirt, no shoes, no service, and go, oh, man, and you got to turn around and go home. Uh, now, of course, now, of course, you know, you need to have the right body temperature to get into some places. So... Um, or you need to have something covering your face to get in somewhere. Ever been denied entrance because you failed to measure up in some way? The Bible goes to great lengths explaining how we fail to measure up in the most important way and how we will be denied entrance to heaven and eternal life as a result. And the whole goal of the Bible in talking about this is to get us to take advantage of the only solution to our biggest entrance denial problem now when i go to the credit union i'm i am not allowed to go into the credit union unless i have something covering my face but the nice thing about the credit union is if i don't have something if i don't have a mask they provide a mask for me so then i can go into the credit union i cannot get into heaven without righteousness i can't get into heaven without righteousness um, and the thing is, I don't have righteousness, and I can't go back to my house and pick up righteousness. I don't have it, and I can't get it, but God provides righteousness for me. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans 3.21. Romans 3.21. This passage talks about God's righteousness for us who believe, and we're going to unpack it here in a few minutes, but... In order to set up this passage, I want to talk about, we need context. So I want to briefly summarize, if I can, Romans 1, 2, and 3 up to the point of uh, 3.21. Chapter 1 of Romans, the second half of chapter 1, talks about the human race in general. It talks about humanity. Um, And basically what it has to say is that uh, we know what we should do, but we don't do it. We know what we should do, but we don't do it. And that we are all filled with unrighteousness. We are not righteous. We are filled with unrighteousness. And then chapter 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, focuses in specifically on the Jews, God's chosen people. 
They have been given God's law in written form. They know what people should do, and they teach what people should do. Uh, they teach others how to live, and they point it out when people do wrong. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with the Jews. They don't live as they know and teach. So how are they any better than the rest of humanity? How are they any better? Um, so the, the, the summary here is the Gentiles, chapter 1, the Gentiles know, but don't do as they know. Chapter 2, the, Genti- the Jews know, but they don't do as they know. And then uh, the middle of chapter 3 summarizes all this by saying that we are all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat, Jews and Gentiles alike. How are we all in the same boat? We are all sinners. We are all sinners. Now, there are some who seem to have a moral standard. I'm sorry, there are some who seem to have no moral standard. And those people are obviously wicked in the eyes of the Lord. They're evil. They're sinful. And then there are some who have standards, who have a semblance of honorable living. But according to the scriptures, they are also wicked. The former, those who have no moral standard, are not as ignorant as you may think, by the way. Um, even though they seem to have no moral standard, at some level, they know. And the latter, those who seem to have standards, are not as well-behaved as you think um, because they do evil. They don't always live up to the standards that they profess. We're all, therefore, according to chapter 3, all shut up under sin. We are all accountable to God, and we are all unrighteous. We are all unrighteous. Well, let me just sharpen let me just uh, sharpen the lens a little bit more on this issue it's not just that we do sin we are sinners it's not it's not just that we do unrighteous things we are unrighteous that's humanity that's human beings we are unrighteous um cs lewis talks a little bit about this in his book mere christianity and uh, he shares personal illustration of times in the evening when he would go to, when he would pray and confess, review the day and confess his sins to the Lord for that particular day. And he said he would often have to confess times, uh, often have to confess times when he was uncharitable to others, when he was unkind to others. Maybe he snapped at someone or sneered at someone or snubbed someone or stormed at someone. He was grumpy or he ru- was rude or he yelled or he ignored others. Um, now, often when those things happen, when, when he was thinking about those particular uncharitable acts towards others, he would be tempted to think, yeah, but I, I, I was caught off guard. I was suddenly provoked. They said something to me that I didn't expect them to say or something happened that I didn't expect to happen. And so it just came out before I had a chance to think about what I was saying or, or what I was doing. Um, but then he says, uh, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of a man he is. What a man does when he's taken off guard surely shows what's truly in his heart. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. And then he illustrates it this way. He talks about rats. If there are, if there are rats in a cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. And the implication is that we have rats in the cellar, so to speak. We have rats in the heart. But we're good at putting, we, we, we put on a good face and we don't let those rats be exposed to others, if you will. But the reality is that we are unrighteous. Um, I've shared with you before uh, one interesting suggested way for 
testing a pastoral candidate for a church. That, uh, you know, if a church is looking for a pastoral candidate, one of the things that they should do in order to test his character is to bring him along to a men's softball game, men's church softball game, and then have him play in the game. And then when he bats and he makes it all the way to second base and he's clearly safe, then call him out and see how he responds. You know, (laughs) see what's really in his heart. (laughs) Human beings by nature are unrighteous to the core. They don't just do unrighteous things, but really they're good. They don't just do unrighteous things, but really they're good on the inside. Uh, Rather, unrighteous actions spring from an unrighteous interior. So here's the reality. Number one, we need righteousness. We need righteousness. Because without righteousness, we cannot stand before a holy God. There will be a final judgment. There will be a final judgment before Jesus Christ. And without righteousness, that final judgment will not go well for us. Because without righteousness, we are guilty. And we will be condemned and punished. Because without righteousness, we will not be able to enter into heaven. Rather, hell will be our eternal destination. So we need righteousness, but we don't have righteousness. We don't have righteousness. We are unrighteous. We don't have righteousness. We are unrighteousness. What Romans 1, 2, and 3 talk about. What's more, not only don't we have it, but we can't get it. We can't get righteousness. Um, you know, you forget your ticket. You can go find a ticket or you can, uh, you can talk to some scalpers and uh, you may have to pay a little bit more, but you, you, you can, you can obtain a ticket. There's, there's always an option, but there is nothing you or I can do on our own to make ourselves righteous. Nothing we can do to cover up for the many instances that we have broken God's law. Nothing we can do to distract the Lord at the final judgment from our record that lays, that lies before him. Now, some people have this notion have this notion in mind that, um, yes, they've done some bad things, but the good things, the good things that they have done will cover, will more than cover up for the bad things that they have done. Have you ever seen this work in the courts? You know, have you ever seen someone, um, oh, I missed that. Now we're here. Okay. Um, have you ever seen that work in the courts, you know, where the, the defense lawyer says, yes, Yes, uh, my, my, my client, my client stalked and viciously murdered the victim. However, however, that's the only time he's done that. All right. He, he, uh, he's been good to the environment. Uh, he recycles. Uh, he buys popcorn from the Boy Scouts. He buys cookies from the Girl Scouts every single year. Um, he does, he crosses at the crosswalks. He doesn't jaywalk or anything like that. Consider all the good things. That's, that's not what happens. They're not, they don't care about all the good things. The court is that the jury and the judge and the, the prosecution is not, doesn't care about all the good things. What are they focused on? They're focused on the crime that has been committed. They're focused on the crime that has been committed. So, you know, the idea that, um, if the good outweighs the bad at the final judgment, well, that's not how it works. No, we are unrighteous and sometimes Sometimes we are self-righteous, but the one thing we are not is genuinely righteous. And so that's the situation as we come to today's passage. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter 3, read verses 21 through 26. But now, apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. That is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe 
since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. So God's righteousness, the passage starts out by saying that God's righteousness has been revealed. Well, so what? So what? That righteousness is revealed for us. It's revealed for us to be given to us. God has a righteousness for us. God has a righteousness for you. And that's what this paragraph is about. Uh, you and I, we don't have legitimate righteousness, but God has one for us. So I, I want to just, this is a, this is a very, uh, dense paragraph. Um, so I just want to tease out some of the truth of the paragraph by asking five questions of this particular passage. First of all, this righteousness that God has for us, is it a good quality righteousness? Is it a good quality righteousness? Will, will it do the trick? Will it do the trick? Uh, well, first of all, it's a righteousness that comes from God, so there's that. <laughs> so yes. Uh, but then also, verse 24 tells us what it does. Um, they are justified freely by His grace. Justified. We are justified. This God's righteousness to us justifies us. It justifies us. So what, what does that mean? Um, what does it mean to be justified? Well, justification is the opposite of condemnation. Justification is more than just a pardon. Pardon is the remission of a penalty, but justification is more than that. To be justified is to be declared not just forgiven, but declared righteous. In other words, to be declared in the right. When God gives you his righteousness, he declares you to be in the right. Charles Hodge, a theologian, explains the antithesis between condemnation and justification. He says to condemn is not merely to punish, but to declare the accused guilty or worthy of punishment. That's condemnation. Justification is not merely to remit that punishment, not merely to take the punishment away, but to declare that punishment cannot be justly inflicted. The one is the remission of punishment, but the other is a declaration that no grounds for the infliction of punishment exists. To be justified means that one's verdict at the final judgment has been changed. To be justified is to be officially in God's book, to be officially righteous, holy, and perfect. Is it a good righteousness? It's a very good righteousness. Um, look what it does. The one who receives this gift is justified before God, declared in the right. Second question, is God's righteousness available to us? Is it available to us? I want to read again verses 23, 22 to 24. That is, and so listen to listen for whom this righteousness is available. That is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by his grace. So who sinned? All, all have sinned. Who can be justified? All, all who believe. All who believe can be justified. Who qualifies for God's justification? Who qualifies for God's righteousness? Uh, those who have sinned. Those who have sinned. 
Uh, so yes, all. <laughs> all. It's available to everyone, which means that it is available to you. It's available to you. It's available to all sinners, to all who have sinned, to all who have broken God's law, to all who are unrighteous. The third question is this. How can God just give us righteousness if we're guilty? How can he give us righteousness if, in fact, we're guilty? How can he declare us righteous if we are, in fact, not righteous? Isn't there something uh, wrong or unjust about that? Uh, on what basis can God just declare us righteous when we are clearly wicked? Romans 1, 2, and 3, Paul spent that whole time explaining how we are unrighteous. How can all of a sudden God just simply declare us righteous? Um, Romans chapter 4, verse 5, describes God, um, but believes on him, describes God as the one who declares the ungodly to be righteous. That's God. The one who declares the ungodly to be righteous. Well, that doesn't seem to be right. That doesn't seem to be just. So how can God do that? Verse 24 explains, uh, They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness. The basis on which God can declare you righteous even though you're unrighteous is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the basis. It's on the basis of the cross that God can declare the unrighteous to be righteous. Now, these three verses talk about three results of the blood of Jesus Christ, three results of the cross. It talks about redemption, it talks about propitiation, and it talks about demonstration. And I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to unpack those today. Let me just summarize the answer to this question um, this way. How can God grant us righteousness when we're not righteous? It's because of Jesus, it's because Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, lived a perfect life and then he suffered and died. And he didn't die for his own sins. He wasn't killed for his own sins. He died for your sins. And he died for my sins. And he died for the sins of the whole world. Um, every sin has its price that needs to be paid. And Jesus paid them all. Jesus paid them all. Uh, last year, uh, there's a billionaire by the name of Robert F. Smith. Robert F. Smith. And he spoke at Morehouse College for their graduation ceremony. And uh, at the ceremony, he, he at least I think this happened at the graduation ceremony, he informed the graduating class that he was paying off all of their student debts, um, which amounted to about $40 million um, that he was paying off their student debts. Well, in his word... God tells us that Jesus is paying off our debts. He's paying off our sin debt. So on what basis can God declare the unrighteous righteous? It's on the basis of what Christ has done. It's not like God is winking his eye at sin and saying, yeah, I know you committed all these sins. We'll just overlook it. No, justice has been served through a volunteer. And by the way, God didn't send an unwilling son to do this. The son and the father planned this together, and the son willingly came and died for our sins. So then question number four is this. How do we get this righteousness? How do we get this righteousness? How can we be justified? How can we be declared just in God's sight, holy in God's sight, perfect in God's sight? Well, it's through faith. 
It's through faith, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's highlighted a few times in this passage, verse 22. That is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. To all who believe. Verse 25, God presented him as a propitiation through faith in his blood. Verse 26, God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. It's through faith. The Son of God willingly died for your sins. God offers you this gift of righteousness. The question is, have you received it? Have you received it? Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus? And if you haven't received it, will you receive it? Will you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you put your trust in him? Will you admit your unrighteousness to God and say that you need the righteousness that is provided through Jesus Christ? And will you trust in Jesus Christ? Will you rest all your confidence in him? Romans 6.23 uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, it's a gift. The righteousness, this, this uh, righteous status is a gift to you, but as with any gift, you have to receive it. Michael gave me a, a gift this morning. Michael gave me a gift. But in order to possess the gift, I had to actually receive it from Michael. I could have said, no, I don't want the gift, but I wouldn't have said that because it's a great gift. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, but it's the same. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Michael, I love your gift, but the greatest gift of all is the gift that is given in Jesus Christ. And yet many people say, no, thanks. I'll take my chances. When Paul was in jail in Philippi, um, the jailer asked him, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe. It's faith. Uh, John 3.36, uh, whoever believes on the Son has eternal life, but who re- whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The, the language is, is pretty specific there. What it, it implies or the, the reality that we are all under the wrath of God. We are all under the wrath of God because of our sins. But those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are removed from being under the wrath of God. And now they are in Christ. But all those who refuse to believe, where are they at? They're still, they remain under the wrath of God. And the last question is this. Why would God do this? Why would God do this? Um, Verse 24 again. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus by his grace it's by the grace of god this is the source of it all this is the source of of salvation this is a source of redemption why why doesn't god just let us go on our way you know trip on our merry way to hell why does he not let us do that it's because of his grace he loves us he loves you um god is a gracious god that is who he is by nature grace is God's great love toward the undeserving. And why would the Father send His Son to die for you? Why would the Son willingly come and suffer and die for you? Well, it's not because He can't stand you. <laughs> because otherwise He would just let us go on our way. It's because He loves you. It's because He cares about you. The motivation for this sacrificial offering of this righteousness for you is His love for you, despite the fact that you are shot through with unrighteousness. So am I. He is a God of love and grace. John 3.16. For God so, what? 
loved the world. That's the motivation. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Or Galatians 2.20 personalizes it. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me and gave himself for me. And you say, yeah, that's the Apostle Paul writing. Do you know who he was? He was the Apostle Paul. <laughs> no wonder God, no wonder Christ loved him. But do you remember who the Apostle Paul was before he was the Apostle Paul? He was Saul the persecutor. The chief of sinners, he describes himself. And Christ loved him and gave himself for him. And Christ loves you and gave himself for you. I want you to watch this video here for a minute. Caleb, can you do the the whole light thing that you're so good at? <laughs> Thanks. Back. Whoops. Back up. Can you take it to the video? I don't know what I did there. Next. File, please. Mm-hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. Bio, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things, too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like, one time, I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to making this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I rented an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the article. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. I was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace.
Next. So you're going to probably just play that for the, in place of the sermon, right? Well, that's a lighthearted look. That's a lighthearted look at a very serious subject. And it's a very serious subject because it deals with the most important decision you will ever make. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Because on our own, we all fail to measure up. Um, I want to share with you uh, a question from the Heidelberg Catechism, which I think sums up somewhat what we've been talking about. Uh, question number 60, Heidelberg Catechism. How, right, uh, uh, how are you righteous before God? And here's the, the long answer, but it's packed with good stuff. How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. In spite, in spite of the fact that my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all the commandments of God and have not kept any one of them, and that I am still ever prone to all that is evil, nevertheless, God without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, grants me the benefits of the perfect expiation sacrifice of Christ, imputing to me his righteousness and holiness, as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful, having fulfilled myself all the obedience which Christ has carried out for me, if only I accept such favor with a trusting heart. That's how we can be declared righteous before God. How, how are you righteous before God? It's through faith in Christ. And because of what Christ has done, and that has been imputed, when you put your trust in Christ, his, his record becomes your record. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made the sinless Christ sin for us, the great exchange, so that we might have the righteousness of God, that we might be righteous before God. Many years ago, a man in England went on vacation in Europe, and uh, he put his Rolls-Royce on a ferry and sent it across the continent. And then for a while, he drove, he, he, he drove his Rolls-Royce around, around Europe. Well, while he was there, uh, his Rolls-Royce broke down. And so he cabled the Rolls-Royce people back in England and told them that his Rolls-Royce had broken down. And so they flew a mechanic out to him. And the mechanic came, he fixed the car, and then he flew back home. Well, the man was uh, concerned about what the cost of the repair might be. And when he got back to England, then he wrote the uh, Rolls-Royce company and said, how much do I owe? And they wrote back to him and said, dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls-Royce. <laughs> that's, that's justification. That's justification. That is what God's gift of righteousness does for you. Trust in Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness that by your grace you have provided for us. It's because you love us and you care about us, even though... But that verse, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still rebellious against you, Christ died for us. What kind of love is that? We thank you for the gift of righteousness that has been provided for us in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for us as a people, 
If there are people in this room today who don't, aren't trusting in Jesus Christ, who don't have this righteousness, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead them to faith in Christ. And I pray, Lord, for the rest of us who are trusting in you, that we will grip all the more tightly to Jesus Christ. Um, We thank you and praise you for this righteousness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.